Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Here we go. Hey, and welcome everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. Uh, glad you're here. Merry Christmas. This is the Christmas holiday season. My name is Bill Cox, and we are coming from, and you might say, where is here? Well, here is Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Texas, and Sugarland happens to be right outside of Houston on the southwest side. And so you might think that because we're in the south, it's always warm and sunny. Not tonight. We're in the holiday season, a balmy 41 degrees outside. So we're going to have a great time. And just want to let you know, if you hear the beautiful music in the background, we haven't all of a sudden become musicians. They are practicing for the Christmas program here at the church. So I just wanted to let you know. And I'm going to go around and um, introduce the panel that we have today. And then, of course, like always, we'll read the scripture. And then we'll uh, have a panel discussion. And in person, we have, he is an insurance guy. It's, if you're worried about risk, he is our class deacon. Kyle Trahan is here. Also, we have an attorney. He can't do anything without legal representation. However, he might be a lawyer, but he's a prosecutor, and uh, so if you do any crime here in Houston, he's going to throw the book at you, and at least you'll know him. His name is Michael Cropper. And by phone, we have the one and only world-famous policy writer. He's also a professional gambler. Mr. Steve Titch is here. And we want to go around the room and have all the fellas introduce themselves so you can recognize their voice. Steve is coming in via phone because if you've been keeping up with us the last few weeks, he had a little bit of an accident, <clears throat> had a run-in with his own home and the home one. So we're going to go ahead and uh, welcome Steve and we do a segment, a couple of segments one is called what it feels like and the other is how to so i'm going to let steve talk about just a, since he just got out of surgery <clears throat> either again uh, it's surgery yeah. that's right it's yeah. surgery again. again let him say what it feels like to be out of surgery or how to prepare yourself for a surgery so Gonna go ahead and uh, welcome Steve, and Steve, just give your impression of the uh, lesson, and then also maybe a how-to or what it feels like. Okay, I'll 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 that. I didn't feel a darn thing. <laughs> it was, it was as, as good as it could get. It was, it was, but what it does, it feels good because this was the last bit of physical repair that had to be done. It was to repair a small fracture in my lower right eye socket. Um, and these days, it sounds, it sounds pretty gross. They didn't have to make an incision. They just 
me with anesthesia, and uh, um, I, I, what I remember is being rolled out of the, the prep, out of the, the, and did not even remember um, the operating room, which might be just as well, because for all I know, since they didn't have any sort of scaffold, they may have had some kind of melon slicer there to get, you know, to move around in my eye. So I don't even want to know. Um, but they, uh, it took about an hour and a half, and when the next thing I knew, I was being rolled into uh, recovery. Uh, and um, it, and what it, it feels, it feels great because um, this was the last thing that had to be done. Um, meanwhile, I've been rehabbing, so uh, um, I'm well along being able to walk around. Now I can get my my best pair of glasses broke uh, in fall. Um, I can now that my eyes are done. I can go get new prescription. I can I can see what I'm talking about better. Uh, so, so the editors with Daystar, they do this all in a day. So, I mean, this is getting this wild uh, outpatient surgery. And if you want to know how to prepare, just come early and just be patient and mellow because, you know, it always takes some time. It's not quite, a, you know, you get there and they roll you in, they got to, you know, paint forms, and you wait in pre op for a while. Um, but it was, um, it was, you know, you could look at it one way, it was just a relaxing day. Uh, and, uh, Glad, glad it's all over. Now, um, let, if, if I may, if we allowed to go to the lesson here, I'll just kick things off because this is, uh, uh, we've been kind of anticipating this for the last few weeks. This is, of course, the story of, of Saul's, Saul's conversion. Damascus Road uh, conversion. Um, and uh, and um, it, is, it, is, it is, of course, dramatic. And uh, some of the things that are interesting is why, you know, Saul, as we know, was persecuting the church, and in, in Acts eight three, he's destroying the church. Saul began to destroy the church, yet yet God chooses him. And uh, what would be interesting is, is perhaps to talk about some of the qualities as to why why God chooses of all people the, the the enemy of the church, the enemy of the enemy number one of of the church. Uh, but I'll, 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 I'll kick that up for opening thoughts and, and, and ask the, the conch. Excellent, excellent. <clears throat> and glad to hear that, uh, that you're recovering well and that this is the last surgery, Steve. That sounds outstanding. <clears throat> we are in Lesson 6, and this is Going Viral, the Birth and Advance of the Church Study that we're into. And this is Radically Saved, and it is about the miraculous conversion of Saul and carry on the gospel to the Gentiles and <clears throat> Kyle Trahan why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just give some uh, some thoughts that you had about the lesson well good evening all um, you know this is an interesting one because you know I know we've talked about it before you know there's several of us in this uh, in this group and in our class and that don't have the Saul conversion experience in our right in our, I, one of them, in, right? in our story, and I am as well. That you know, Bill, you've always gone, um, you yeah. know, your entire life, and even in Sunday school and stuff. And you know, myself raised in another you know uh, another religion there, but still the same thing. I just grew up in it. You know, the, it it was always part of life, and so. I think it's just really a neat concept or storyline of, I, I wish I had that to be able to say, 
uh, this is my witness of why I follow Jesus Christ. Right. Like this is Saul the big did. change. The, right. big, the big change, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right, outstanding. Michael Cropper. Yeah, real quick again, I, I'd like to review what we did before. The, the whole book we're looking at, folks, as uh, Bill mentioned to you, it's going viral, and all, all the, uh, the lessons just phenomenal that we looked at. The first lesson being Jesus resurrected from the dead, and then going before his disciples and seeing and visiting with him so they all saw him, and then giving him the great commission to go out and witness for him. But before he told them to go out and witness, he says, wait for the power from on high from my Heavenly Father, call the Holy Spirit. So the second lesson was was all the disciples and the apostles going and waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And then uh, the Holy Spirit did come, and He did bring power, and He brought a great testimony from the disciples and the apostles themselves. Uh, then lesson three was Peter giving a great sermon because of the people who were drawn to the location where the Holy Spirit showed up. His presence... Um, brought many languages to the disciples and the apostles who received the gift of the Holy Spirit, such that they spoke in very many different languages and dialects, and it drew crowds of people. And this gave the opportunity for sermon, uh, Peter, pardon me, (laughs) to present a sermon uh, with the power of the Holy Spirit, and the church was born. And we're talking about 3,000 people coming to accept Christ. And then lesson four was John and uh, Peter testifying before the Sanhedrin because they were threatened for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And then lesson five was uh, Stephen anointed and preaches to the Sanhedrin himself. He also had received the gift of the Holy Spirit and was very, very powerful in uh, his uh, presentation of the gospel and made the Sanhedrin so mad that they crucified him. Uh, pardon me, didn't crucify him. Stoned him. Stoned him. Stoning I'm getting ahead of myself. They stoned him, and of course, which leads us to today's lesson, and that brings in Saul, who was actually there at the time that Stephen was stoned, and he was giving his approval to being uh, Stephen being stoned as a very, very devout and uh, aggressive Pharisee. So that brings us to today's lesson, where he actually is uh, going to Damascus from Jerusalem. This all occurred in Jerusalem. And uh, he picks up letters because he has heard that uh, there are there's preaching going on in Damascus, and he wants to stop the preaching there. He is uh, very, very set in his ways, and he gets letters to go and stop the preaching in Damascus. And you're going to read us the scripture, which will explain a lot of this to us. So it's a, a, a very, very colorful, and I, I, I want to say story, but it's not. It's it's a testimony. It's it's a. Uh, a very great picture and someone who is converted to Jesus Christ. Yeah, thanks for uh, catching us up on that, Michael. And <clears throat> for those of you that are out there, this is taken from Acts 9, verses 1 through 22, and then also 26 through 31. And I'll go ahead and I'll, uh, I'll read the scripture at this time. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. 
I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not, did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias! Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for the man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings, and before the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Christ. And now starting at 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Grecian Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace, it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Let's go back to what Steve said just for a minute. Uh, that first verse, uh, Bill, in the first and second verse, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Stephen, you said, yeah, uh, Steve brought up the point, why in the world did the Lord choose to to use a miracle on this guy to redeem him. He is not only trying to stop and incarcerate the, the people who are preaching Jesus Christ, he wants to kill them. He says, I'm going to kill yes. you, murder Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll do he everything wants, I can to stop you. Go ahead, he sir. Wants to, he wants to chase them. I mean, 
mean, that's, I mean, there's the, we know that there's been this scattering, and there are now Jews, there are now Jews who have up and left Jerusalem and gone to another, essentially another province, Syria, Damascus, and he, he wants to go get them. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, so go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt, but well, you know, I mean, <clears throat> to boil this down into something that men might understand, and I might have mentioned this uh, previously, though, uh, but my dad, uh, we always had horses on the farm, mm -hmm. and he always liked a spirited horse, because when you have a spirited horse and you finally break that horse, you will be the only one that will break that horse. Salesmen do the same thing. Mm -hmm. If they have a customer that is hard to sell, once they finally get that person to be a customer, they you can rest assured nobody else will. If someone is easy to sell, mm -hmm. they will be easy for the next person to sell. And I think that's part of it. Saul was committed to his cause. Yeah. He was a young and rising person in the mm -hmm. Jewish community. Mm -hmm. He was the perfect person mm -hmm. to be chosen. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. He's he's the hatchet man, and one he, would he, by, go ahead. Go ahead. By, see what by his own words in, in, in Galatians one fourteen, he describes himself as extremely zealous. Yes, zealous. Yes, That's that the word. Good, right. I couldn't think of the word. Absolutely, he's a zealot. I mean, this he when he gets focused on something, he goes after it and sees nothing else. Until it's done. But, but the thing about it is, the Lord, it's amazing how he picks people of faith throughout this whole story. Ananias sees this in a vision, and there's no question in this text that Ananias is going to obey him, even though he knows Saul, who Saul is, and what he does. Yeah. And he obeys. How many people would say, I, I, I don't believe that vision. <laughs> you know, that, that can't be me. I don't, I don't know what Judas on Straight Street. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. No, no it's, it's a fascinating story. And then uh, he wants to take him back to Damascus just like Stephen because he's got the whole support of the Sanhedrin, right? Right. <laughs> he wants to take all those people back in front of the Sanhedrin and possibly, if he can, get him stoned like he did Stephen. And, and if, yeah. if, if, it, if it not that, at least get him incarcerated, right? Absolutely. Because he's got a letter from the, from the church at Jerusalem and from the, the Sanhedrin. He is trying to stop the way, which is what it was called. I mean, mm -hmm. that was the first, uh, before Christian, I mean, it was mm -hmm. the way mm -hmm. to stop the movement. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. You do wonder, though. It says when he, uh, it says he, as he neared Damascus on his journey, a light from heaven flashed around him. You do wonder if those with him saw the light. It does state to us that the people with him heard a sound, but they, uh, let's see, am I correctly? Yeah, the, the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless, and they heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Now, I don't think Saul saw anyone, but boy, he sure got the light. And he sure heard the voice, and he sure heard the direction from Christ. And it, you know, it goes, it's instant. Christ, just like him healing the lepers and anybody else, he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus whom you persecuted. 
get up and go to the city. He doesn't say, do you want to accept me or follow me? He says, I'm Jesus. Get up and go. And, and, and the thing about it is, he gets the captain of the team. Yeah. From the way I read this, <laughs> That's that right. there is multiple people in this group, but Saul is the captain of yes. the team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No question. Um, he's, or he's the guy there, you know, he's, he's got his entourage. Uh, now, he's probably got some, uh, I guess, temples. So, you know, he's got he's got the people carrying the handcuffs and maybe a wagon with them. He's, he's bringing people back. But uh, uh, he's, uh, um, he's, and I think he's, in, again, in Corinthians, I think in Second Corinthians, he, he says he actually saw Jesus. He appeared to me last of all in that, in that list of that, that list where, where where he's detailing people have seen the resurrected Christ. Um, so he, he, I mean, it must have been just an awesome experience. I mean, he's struck blind by it. Um, but you know, it is it is a fantastic turnaround. He's, he's suddenly, you know, I'm wrong, and I'm and, and uh, some of the qualities we talked about in my class, um, in addition, of course, to the zealousness you've been mentioning and the ability to you know, go get it, is that he was also very educated. He was, he was, he, he was a, um, he knew the scriptures very well, and he would yes. demonstrate that in the, and, and he, and, and he was able to understand how they were fulfilled. Um, he was, uh, he was a Roman citizen, which would be really important later as he begins his journey. He was able to move quite freely through the empire. Right, uh, right. That and, is a big deal. So yeah. There, there is, uh, there, there are qualities here that will will serve him down the road as he becomes the uh, the, the uh, disciples of the apostles of the Gentiles, as I call him. Um, and uh, so, uh, those and that, but yes, that ability to you know commit to a job. I, I you, know, you, you, you are my chosen one now, Saul. Paul. You are, you are going to bring mine that, you know, and, and we, we don't know exactly what he was praying about, but, um, obviously Ananias, let me go back to the text here, Ananias, uh, was told that this was, that, that Paul was going to be the instrument, uh, for the church. Right. For yeah. God, I should say. It'd be more, to be the instrument, certainly for the spreading of the gospel. Uh, and, uh, you will pray, you, you, you will be my chosen instrument. You know, the, the Lord is, is, is so, so knowledgeable. I mean, I, I don't think we can quite fathom, uh, you know, his, his, his knowledge and his wisdom. If, if we could go back and look at when he called Peter, because you know full well he knew Peter and he knew what Peter would become. The, the scriptures tell us that the Lord sees you and I as what we're going to become. Not as what we are at the present, and he—I can't help but think—he when he called Peter back when he was a fisherman, that he saw Peter standing up in front of three thousand people and delivering a message that just crushed him and 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 drew him to the Lord. The same thing with Saul. It's obvious we can see this with Saul, but all his apostles—he he had a purpose for him, and he sees them what they're going to come. The same thing with you and me. Well, and I think one thing about this is. As men, being obedient allows us the opportunity to be a spoke in the wheel. Mm -hmm. Now, we don't necessarily know what part or how big 
of a part, we're going to be in that wheel. I mean, but think about it this way. Look at, I mean, look at Ananias for a moment. His obedience made him a major part of this story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. He's a major character. Absolutely. A major character, whereas his reluctance, uh, if if he would have been reluctant to do it, it would have had to have been either someone else or, you know, it would have had to, the story would have changed. But it's a person of faith and his faith that he accepted this and he did what he was told in, through the vision. And I think that's part of us as men recognizing the fact that if we're given this godly insight to be obedient. And the thing about it is, we don't know where we are in that story, but like what we talked about in our Sunday school class was this. We're leaders of our circle of influence. We give license to other people by what we say. And if we're if we were the type of people that didn't believe in Saul's conversion and we didn't endorse it, we would be going against God's will. We ha- we have to recognize and be mature enough to say that is a real conversion. Pay attention to this person. Allow yourself to be influenced by this person. Because our circle of influence wants us to interpret that kind of stuff. I'm going to just go a step further, Bill, because there's there's that other element in this, is that Ananias, from what we can tell, is the first Christian Saul meet. I mean, maybe maybe gets to knock. Obviously, he's he's, he's not face-to-face with them in... in, um, uh, in court, in the stand ahead But here Saul is vulnerable. I mean, he's blind. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And, and the first, the first, you know, and, and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's got to say, I, I think I, you know, I met Jesus himself on the road. And Ananias comes in and believes him and takes him in and lays, like we lay his hands on him. Uh, so Saul... Saul's can Saul got to feel a little validated here. I mean, I don't know what his what his entourage is going through at this point. Um, but you know, for Saul, me, you know, that's what Ananias is really important. Not not just as you said, though, for basically validating Saul to the Damascus community, um, but to to validating Saul that he's on the right side. That that somebody this this Christian who should fear him comes in and says, tell me what happened. And um, I, I had a vision from God that says, you know, you will, you will be God. Um, so so there's, all, there's that as well. I, I, I think uh, the interesting thing is what, it, it, the Lord also gave Saul, Saul a few days to digest what happened to him. Uh, I know when I gave my my life to the Lord, of course, nothing, no conversion like this. It's just one day I decided to to trust in Jesus Christ. I said, Lord, if you're real, let your let me know about it. And it took about two weeks before he just almost like uh, 
came into my life almost like a bright light, but I mean, he made himself very real. And then for the next few days, I had to digest what I, 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 it changed my whole perspective on everything. All of a sudden I said, you know what? Now I believe in the virgin birth. Now I believe in heaven, that I will go to heaven one time. Now I believe in all these things I've heard in the Bible because I've trusted the Lord, which up to this point I had chosen not to do. Uh, but I mean, I have a little bit of an idea of what he went through, but nothing to the point that, wow, he was he was not only uh, persecuting the the Christians at that time, but he was willing to kill them or have them killed or stoned uh-huh. if he could could possibly. And um, we, I think, we see out through history, throughout history, that that possibly the more crime you've done, the more sin you've done, uh, the greater your conversion. When in fact. Uh-huh. Oh, no question about it. No question about it. And the thing about it is, is the people that... Somebody told me one time, if you, if you don't fall very far, you can't bounce very high. Yeah. I, I, you know what I'm saying? And, 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 I, and I get that. I, I, I can attest that that is a figurative statement. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. right. Is, the ceiling jumper. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Did not even put that in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know, but see, and the thing about it is though, that is the dramatic the dramatic part mm-hmm. of it. But the, the, and that's the, the thing about this particular story. You have the dramatic and then you also have the obedience. You know, oh, of, 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 of both both characters in that, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the story so powerful. Yeah, yeah. You know, to have seen Jesus, you know, you're you're walking through, walking along the way to Damascus, and all of a sudden Jesus pops in to your head, more or less, because nobody else sees him. You know. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus pops into your head and is talking to you, oh. and say, asking you, "Why are you persecuting me?" And then, you know, at the end, you probably close your eyes or, you know, he shields himself or whatever. And then you go to open your eyes and you've got nothing. And then... He was persecuting an idea. Well, he was persecuting the idea Mm -hmm. of Jesus. And then he met Jesus. Yes. And and I think he knew of Jesus. I mean, but the the implication is that he's with the Sanhedrin. And this, this... Maybe happening anywhere to several months to a year or so after the, the actual resurrection event. There's every reason to believe, if you think about it, that Paul was in the Sanhedrin when they tried Jesus. Um, he may have he may have been a junior member. He may not have been a voting member. I, I, but I think he he recognized Jesus when he saw him, and and and. Um, and I, you know, we can, again, it's one of these Bible things. I think he did see the resurrected Jesus in person rather than his head. And, and, and I, I, I hang that on the fact that he, he writes that he did. I mean, not, you know, Jesus was resurrected. He could do whatever he wanted. Maybe the other people, some the others blinded by the light. Um, I, I don't want to split hairs here, but nonetheless, he knew exactly. He, he, this was no stranger to him. This, this was the guy that he crucified, or that he was, Harold was crucified and was denying ever resurrected, and there he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, to, to, to give him, to give Paul credit, he didn't 
Yeah, I, I didn't catch quite what you said, Steve, but I, I, would, I think I agree if you said Saul was probably there when Jesus was crucified, yeah. too. Is that what yeah. you, yeah. you're saying, Ron? Yeah, I, 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 I would kind of agree with that, too. Yeah. Um, you, you know, we have to be careful. I, I, I was reading, the, our, our author of our lesson actually made a comment there. He says, when someone becomes so entrenched in his or her views... And he demonizes their opposition is almost impossible to see the good in others or the wrong in oneself. There was so much before Saul to look at the Christians and see how much good they were doing, but he couldn't. It was impossible. He was blinded. I mean, and then and only the Lord knows a man's heart. And my personal belief is that's why he chose Saul, because he knew Saul did it so blindly. His heart was so intent on doing the right thing, except he was blinded to what was right. And uh, that is really a good point. That he was he was blind before Jesus ever confronted him. Before he got blinded, him before he, that's right. Yeah, he was spiritually blinded, right? And, then, and right then here he got physically blinded once he came to the Lord and. Uh, Anyway, that, that's I, I have to be careful. I can get we have to get be careful that we don't get so angry on something we don't like as men too, that we don't allow the ability or the possibility that we could be wrong come into our 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 uh, the effect on our bodies and our and, and our minds. So. Just in case, in case we lose everybody, we're low on power on our recorders. I know. So in case we all of a sudden drop off, uh, you know, Merry Christmas again. But right. Anyway, right. we'll go on. Hey, we've given our disclosures. Right. Now, Kyle, go ahead and tell us what we're, we're low on the recorder. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, we're okay. low on okay. juice on the okay. recorder. All right. So. But not on the panel. That's the panel, right. The panel is juiced up, you know. <laughs> no, it's a great lesson. It's another one that's just fantastic in this book, and and we're we're breaking it down to where we actually say, you know, boy, this is some miracle. I mean, we're talking serious miracle here, and especially where Christ chose to reveal Himself. But and, and it, the the beautiful thing about these stories, about the lessons, is all the different textures. Because I, I personally, I've, I've always been a believer, and like Kyle alluded to earlier, I, I never really had a eureka moment. I I've always believed. My grandparents believed. Mm-hmm. I went to church for them. I went to church with my mom and dad. I I, I just I just believe. You know. There wasn't but, any other way to you, right? Is that what you've told us over and over? Well, you know, the thing about it is, I just, uh, I just believe in the physical and the spiritual, and I believe a person is made up of both. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to work on my physical body, but also my spiritual side. I just always felt that that was important. But yeah. the thing about it is, I've never really felt and and. You know, one one of the things about men is we always insert ourselves into these stories, mm-hmm. and depending on your age, you 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 put yourself into different positions. What, what are you? And I can tell you in this story what I am. I'm the person that is observing this, and I knew who Saul was ahead of time, 
And then, what, a week later? Because he was blinded for three days, and then he goes with the disciples, and then starts preaching in the synagogue. So a week or so later, here's the same guy that's been hunting people down. Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, now he's a leader of the way. He's hunting the people of the way down, and then he becomes a leader of it. And I, I'm one of those people that's in the crowd going, what? Yeah. Yes. Is this a joke? Yeah. Is, well, right. Is, is can it? I believe this? Well, I mean, you got to imagine where the disciples were. He shows back up in Jerusalem uh, with, what's his name? Uh, uh, Ananias? Uh, Barnabas. Barnabas, actually. Barnabas. Right. Yeah, he Barnabas. shows back up with Barnabas. Well, yeah. And, and you go going. So then they have to come to the real grips. Don't you know the grilling began right then of what in the hell? Yeah. You know? You, you've been and, doing and all this is, just as we've been saying. Go ahead, Steve. There, there is a time jump. Actually, there's, it's, it's one of these, I mean, it's, he goes, what's interesting is that he, he doesn't begin preaching immediately in Damascus. No. And, and obviously, he's probably telling his own witness. Yeah. If, if we follow the so. events in Galatians, well, he writes, he goes to Arabia for three years. I guess probably to digest a lot of this. Mm-hmm. Um, then, then he goes to Jerusalem. He goes back to this, but to make that slow, he goes to Jerusalem and he meets with Peter and James mm-hmm. alone. I have no other apostles, according again, according to the, what how how Paul writes in Galatians. Um, yeah. Then he goes back, but and this part of this event doesn't come until what what Paul writes fourteen years later, um, and it does kind of line up with the with the. Um, with the timelines of when his missions begin. And I think what we're getting here in Acts, from a literary point of view, is that the transition, we're going to see the transition from Peter in Jerusalem to Paul beginning his missionaries over the next three chapters. But um, this, was, this was the other guy, we, 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 Barnabas. It's the guy who brings Paul into the disciples mm. for this, really. He has... He has... <laughs> Uh, he has an advocate, a defense attorney, you might say. Right. Um, here you are, Mike. Mike, you're on the. You're gonna. You're gonna be the guy leading the grilling of of Saul, and 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 I, there's. I think there there are. Well, we don't have. Well, obviously, I certainly didn't have a Saul like Damascus Road experience either. But there, there, there's another example of the of the person who 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 makes the introduction and sits with that person, um, believes in that person, and, and you know, and, and we've all been there. You know, that, that guy, who, the guy who, who, you know, who helps you through, um, who's going to speak up for you, um, who knows you, even when, even when the community is a little hostile. Uh, and, and so that's another example we have here of Barnabas, uh, being kind of like another Ananias and, and really um, kind of saying, I know this guy. I heard this guy's speech. He knows he's, he's, he's going to be great for us. Uh, and um, so, so yeah, anyway, that's my that's kind of where I'm going with it. <laughs> well, yeah, and Barnwell told him, he said, well, he took him up when he introduced him to the apostles. He said, look, he went into the synagogue and he fought with the other Jews. I was there when he preached and when he, when he demonstrated, uh, he preached fearlessly is what the scripture says. 
in the name of Jesus. So Barnabas is saying, I'm in, I'm in the synagogue watching him debate with these people, and he's powerful, and he is fearless to the point where he doesn't care what they think. He's come to the point of being on the exact opposite to where, you know, if they want to, if they want to drag me out and stone me, they can, but the other apostles didn't want that, and the disciples, so when they did threaten to kill him, the other apostles took him and moved him out of the city. So right, right. He, he was willing to stand up there and testify the point of, of being stoned, if, it, if that was the Lord's will. It really looks like we're getting down to the end, and not necessarily the end of the lesson, but the end of the power on the equipment. So uh, <laughs> this is a tremendous lesson, and it's one that men need to look at and look at from all different angles because it is exclusively a men's or or most or it's not exclusively it is very much a man's story yes. from every angle that you look at whether it's the transformation of the man or it's the faith of the man or the believability and the judgment that the man has to make of what you saw, yeah. of what, what you believe, believe. And, and, and how are you going to process it and then influence your circle of influence with that. So I want to go around the room one final time before our uh, power finally goes out and get some last minute thoughts and uh, and Steve, we're so glad that you had the opportunity to uh, to join us, and we're so thankful uh, that you're uh, that this is your final surgery, and that you're cut, and that you're healing from your uh, uh, from your injuries. Why don't you go ahead and kick it off with a summary of uh, this week's lesson? Um, just that nobody's beyond salvation. Uh, nobody is no, and and uh, this is again a, a story of. Of, of a radical conversion from from a, from an enemy of the church to uh, what would be probably the most instrumental apostle for spreading the gospel uh, in the first century. Um, it's it's uh, and and basically, as you said, Bill, um, Christianity, our faith is one of transformation. Um, God transforms. Um, he transformed the cross as a symbol of degradation into a, a symbol of holiness. Um, and this is just another example of the radical transformations that occur uh, when the Lord comes into your life. Excellent, excellent. Kyle, your impressions. You know, what I see is, you know, God tells us that no matter what we've done, he can always give forgiveness. Most of what we think of is, ah, I've gone too far, or whatever. We can't feel that way. We have to allow God to be who He is, and He is a forgiving one. You know? And so no matter what you've done or where you've been, you can always have that time to come back, and then just watching and being faithful to when God is trying to talk to you. Excellent. Michael? Okay, uh, real quick, uh, I look at this, uh, this 
this lesson like we did last week uh, when, when we looked at the death of Stephen the martyr. And uh, as I mentioned then, I, I, sometimes we can't understand what happens when something bad happens to what we a good person. And, and ultimately, uh, you can look back in your lives and see things in your own life when things have been gone wrong and, and you see where Christ was in it all the time, but you can't till you get, get in the future sometime and you're able to look back. Well, we saw the death of Stephen as a martyr who was just a phenomenal man of God and can't underst- couldn't understand why he was, uh, why the Lord allowed him to be put to death. Then we see the conversion of Saul and we can't help but feel that part of the reason Saul becomes the mo- one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful witness for God and writes most of the New Testament or half the New Testament is because... He stood there at the possible uh, stoning of Stephen and possibly the crucifixion of Christ. And then Christ came to him and turned his life around. So this, if we look at it from that perspective, we can see the good that came from those two deaths. <clears throat> well, the, the thing that, I, that I'm struck by is this. You never know what part of the wheel or what part of the story you are in allow the Lord to work in your life. And not only will you be magically transformed or radically transformed, so may the story that you're a part of, the wheel that you're just a mere spoke of, may be radically changed as well. And this has been the Man Up Podcast, and I want to make sure that everybody out there knows that this is, this is the season to give thanks. And remember the reason for the season. And take this opportunity, instead of saying Happy Holidays, say Merry Christmas. And I invite you to, in, to join a Bible-based church, a men's only adult Bible fellowship. And if there isn't one, feel free to start one. We are on Facebook under Man Up, SoundCloud, under Man Up, Bill Cox, to find the right one, and also on iTunes. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next week, this is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flamethrower to this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions, and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.